The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. So this morning, we are looking at fundamentals of thanksgiving. Fundamentals of thanksgiving. With many things in life, when we get the fundamentals right, things become effortless. They become easy, as it were. Complex things become effortless. If you say, oh, pastor, I've not, um, I don't think I'm growing spiritually. It's like spiritual growth is a complex issue. But really it isn't. When you focus on the fundamentals, what are the fundamentals of spiritual growth? Read your Bible. Pray every day. Pray every day. Pray every day. Read your Bible. Pray every day. If you want to grow. If you want to grow. If you want to grow. Oh, oh, oh. Read your Bible. Pray every day. If you want to grow. You will discover that when you do those fundamentals, you begin to grow. You begin to hear God. Things begin to fall in place spiritually. It's all mostly about the fundamentals. If you look at any area of your life that looks so overwhelming and complex, check what are the fundamentals. In your marriage, for instance, if your marriage looks like a, like a spaghetti relationship, check what are the fundamentals. What are the fundamentals of the marriage? Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Shikena. If those two things can be in place, what will happen to all the marriages? Sweet. But we like to complicate things. And we can't do without the fundamentals in any area of study. It's all about first principles. It's all about fundamentals. It's all about fundamentals. And when it comes to thanking God, it's the same thing. It's just about fundamentals. When we look at our cars, for instance, and we see the check light come on. You know, most, most cars these days have this check sign um, light, like um, orange or red, that comes up on your dashboard when something is wrong. Does that happen in your car? Something is wrong, the check light comes up. Right, no. No? Maybe you, are, you have a B2. <laughs> if you don't have, <laughs> or a 1980 car. You know, a check light should come on. Now, what that tells us, the, the check light is saying something is wrong somewhere. But what I've seen people do when the check light comes on, they are like, how can I make it go off? If I take this fuse, go to a roadside mechanic, say, oh, okay, if I join this wire, this thing will stop. So, whatever. And we want to just get rid of the check light and not go to the root cause. Why is this check light on? And how do you do that? You take the car to the manufacturer. Right? When your check light goes on and you need to check your car, this go for a checkup, you take it to the manufacturer. Why are you so silent? You don't take it to the manufacturer? <laughs> manufacturer expensive. Or you take it to a representative of the manufacturer. Uh-huh, you're just talking. <laughs> yeah. Or you take it to somebody that says, don't do that. Well, it depends. But, but if you want to get the best results and you can afford it, you take it to, to where? 
to the manufacturer. The same with us with anxiety. Anxiety for the human being is the check sign on your dashboard. If you are anxious about something, there's something you are anxious about. It is just a check sign that something bigger is wrong or something bigger needs to be attended to. But many times, we just want to get rid of the anxiety or we want to wish it away or want to use our um, mental self-will to push the anxiety away or we want to fill it up with all sorts of habits to get rid of the anxiety. But the anxiety for us human beings is the sign that we need to take this machine to the maker, back to the maker for a checkup. So anxiety is a signal alerting you it is time to pray. Anxiety is a, is a signal alerting you and I that it is actually time to pray. Because you can't be anxious and be grateful at the same time. You can't be anxious and, and be full of gratitude at the, t- at the same time. It, it, it doesn't work. Anxiety shows us that we are losing control. As humans, we, we pretty much like to have control of the different areas of our life. So let's say you, you are losing control financially, people become financially anxious. When you are losing control maritally or in your, in your career or in your business, people become anxious. So anxiety just shows us that we are losing control. We are losing control. Gratitude actually is giving up control to God. It's surrendering to God. It's an act of surrender. So when you are actually grateful, you can't really be anxious. When you are actually worshipping, you cannot be worrying. They, don't co- they can't coexist. You have to choose one. Is it going to be worry or is it going to be worship? Is it going to be anxiety or is it going to be gratitude? I like how um, Craig Groeschel puts it, and um, he says that you don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. Everybody has the power to surrender. The area of your life you feel anxious the most is the area of your life you have surrendered the least. The area of your life you feel anxious the most is the area of your life you have surrendered the least. The area of your life you feel, you feel most peace is the area of your life you have surrendered the most. So when it comes to gratitude, God wants it to be a lifestyle. God wants all the parts of our being, every compartment of our lives and destinies to be surrendered to him so that we can be filled with gratitude, and we can overflow with gratitude. Psalm 50, God says in Psalm 50, verse 23, that giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. God is saying, giving thanks actually truly honors him. So this morning, we are going to look at the fundamentals of giving thanks, because giving thanks truly honors God, and your life will truly honor God in the name of Jesus. Say amen. Come on. Good. Your life will truly honor God. So, what are the fundamentals? The three whys. Why should I live a life that gives thanks to God? And the five hows. How can I? Since I know why. You know, you can know why you should pass an exam and not know how to pass the exam. Since I now know why, what are the House, how can I? So the question is this. Why should my life give God thanks? Why? The first reason why my life and your life should give God thanks is because of who God is. Because of who God is. Because of who God is. Psalm 145, verse 3, God is great. We serve a great God. The Lord is great. 
is worthy of our praise. No one can understand how great he is. So if God is big enough to create the universe, God is big enough to solve your problem. The first thing we need to realize is Psalm 143, 145 verse 3, the Lord is great. The Lord is great and is worthy to be praised. Not only is God great, who he is, God is holy. God is not only great, God is holy. Psalm 97 verse 12 says, Give thanks to God as you remember his holiness, as you remember how holy he is. No one in the universe can compare with God. He's pure, he's perfect, he's faultless. God is completely faultless. So when you think about his holiness, it should, it should generate gratitude. You should be filled with thanks because God is holy. We should be filled with thanks not only because God is great, God is holy. Number three, God is love. God is love. Psalm 107, Psalm 107, verse 8 says, Give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Listen, there is no one on earth that is capable of loving you like God. No one. One of the greatest disservice you can do to a human being is to put on him or her what only God can provide. One of the greatest disservice, and we see it a lot in marriages, one of the greatest services you can do to your husband or you can do to your wife is to put the burden that only God can feel on him or her. It's not going to work. The person will crumble under that weight. The only person that can love you totally and completely is who? Is God. Is God. Is God. So not only is he great, not only is God holy, not only is God love, God is just. Psalm 7, verse 17. Psalm 7, verse 17. It says, I will thank the Lord because he is just. He is unprejudiced. He is just. He cannot be manipulated. He's just. He's always right. He's just. Now, does that mean God is fair? Is God fair? Is God unfair? I don't even say God is fair. Let me see your hands up. God is fair. God is a fair God. I'm serving a God that is fair. Okay, good. I don't people say God is unfair. You are afraid. You think he's unfair, but you are afraid to say. Because you're like, if I raise my hand, boom, fire. You just, you know, I may just lose that hand. So I can't raise it. Now, now, now. Listen. Experientially, really. I'm not talking about, well, even scriptures. Look at scriptures. It's consistent with scriptures. But if you walk with God, you will discover that God doesn't necessarily seek to be fair. God doesn't seek to be fair. God is just. He doesn't necessarily seek to be fair. Fairness is to treat everyone equally. God doesn't treat people equally. Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't. God can give a thousand people for one person's life. Is that fair? In fact, I told them a secret about God at the ATM service. Can you guys keep a secret about God? Ten years service. Total secret. God, God has favorites. Oh. That's not fair. Well, that's your business. He doesn't answer to anybody. I would rather, if I know he has favorite, I'd rather want to be one of the servants. 
instead of worrying that it's unfair. What's my own? God actually does our favorites. Jesus doesn't treat all his disciples the same. Some, out of the 70, he chose 12. Is that fair? And some of the 12, they are illiterate. They don't even qualify. They've not been to Bible college. Is that fair? Luke was one of the 570. Luke was not part of the 12. Luke was a medical doctor. More qualified than a fisherman called Peter. Is that fair? Out of the 10, uh, the 12, if we, if we say to 9, say you guys stay here. If we call 3. Yeah, guys, guys, come, come, come. Let's go. And, uh, is that fair? What has the remaining 9 done that they cannot follow? It's not fair. Out of those 3, they know that one person, John, if Jesus wants to whisper something, Peter knows he won't tell him. So he doesn't worry. He said, John, you go and ask him because he will tell you. Listen, if you relate with God as a fair God, you're going to have a lot of problems because you're going to struggle. Oh, it's not fair. No, 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 no. God is not fair, but God is just. God is just. So you want to stand on the side of his justice so that, you know, we, we, we explained that when God looks at you to, to favor you is justice to God because Jesus paid the price on the cross of Calvary. So it would be injustice for God to deny you what Jesus has already paid for. That would be injustice. So God is just. Praise the name of the Lord. So we praise him for who he is. He's great. He's not only great, he's... Come on. He's holy. He's not only holy, he's... Love. He's not only love, he's... Just. He's not only just, God is good. He's good. Psalm 54. Psalm 54, verse 6. He says, I will thank the Lord because he is good. That is huge. Because the, what we have with God is a relationship. And we thank him because he is good. If you are married to somebody that has a good heart, your life will be good. Because even when they make a mistake, they, they, they won't be they are not perfect. But when they make a mistake, they will be making a mistake from what? From a good heart. Right? So, they will always do you good. But if you marry someone that is wicked, even when they do you good, there's winchy inside. <laughs> you know what they call winchy? <laughs> you know, it's inside. So many times, if you say scripture, God does not say, I'm going to make you better. He, he usually says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. Why? Because the, our heart is a heart of stone. He says, I will give you a heart of flesh. I will give you my spirit, my willing spirit. I will make you good. Yes, there is no one that is good, but I will make you good. God is good. That's why it's a delight to work with God. Even when you don't understand what he is doing, you know that all things work together for the good of those that what? Love God and I call according to his purpose. So, even though I don't understand it, I know that, well, in the end, it's going to be for my good. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> you, 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 you may have a, a season that you are confused and, and Many people, because they don't know this part of God, they, they turn back from God. Why? Because they don't understand that God is good altogether. Even if it appears to be doing you bad. That was one thing that Job knew and made him survive. Even when it appears that he was losing everything, he says, ah, but no, I can't curse him. His wife said, curse him and die. You are still holding on to your integrity. Why did she say that? She wants him to die so she can marry somebody else. Curse God and die. You are not useless. You are not, you are not useful to me. You're a useless man. 
And you are still saying God is good. Job says, no, I cannot. And in the end, in the end, God restored Job. I will tell you what happened to Job's wife another time. <laughs> if you remind me, I'll tell you another time. I want to say, of course, why should my life give God thanks? Number one, because of who God is. Number two, not just because of who he is, because of what he has done. Because of what he has done. Psalm 52, verse 9, says, I will thank you, God, forever for what you have done. So what has God done for you? What has he done? What has God done? This is September. January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August. What has God done? What has God done? I want to challenge you to write what God has done for you. Write five things. Make that ten. Five more. What God has done. While you are writing ten, add another five. Make it fifteen. What has God done? And you can have multiples of 15th. What has God done? Actually, sit down. Because if you cannot think, they say you cannot be grateful. If you cannot think, what has God done for me? In case you are, you are like, Pastor, I can't remember anything. God has done for me. You can still open your mouth to say that. God has done something for you. Your mouth can talk. <laughs> God, I mean, really, I mean, even if it boils down to that. But the, the, the truth is this. If we are truthful to ourselves, we will be able to list things that God has done for us. Why should my life give God thanks? Number one, because of who he is. Because of who God is. Number two, because of what God has done. And number three, this is the most overlooked aspect and it's so important, not just because of who he is, or because of what he has done, we should, our lives should give God thanks because of what he has promised. Because of what God has promised. Because of what God has promised. Psalm 71 verse 22. Psalm 71 verse 22 says, I will praise you because you are faithful to your promises. Have you ever thanked God for his promises. Have you ever? So now you've made a list of the things that God has done for you. I want to challenge you. Also make a list of what God has not done for you. Make a list of the things that you have prayed for, that you have asked God for, and in your estimation, he has not done for you. Make the list. Now, instead of turning that list to a complaining list, turn that list to a gratitude list. Why? Because he's faithful to his promises. So you're going to say, I thank you, oh God of heaven, for one, this one, you have not done it. I thank you because I know you will do it. Two, you have not done it. I thank you because I, why? Because you are faithful to your promises. Faithful to your promises. And for those of us that are believers, you know, the biggest promise that we should thank God for ever is the fact that we have what they call eternal life. We have eternal life. John 11, Jesus was speaking in John eleven twenty five. 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, they will what? They will live again. Have you put your trust in Christ? Have you given your life to Christ? He's saying, even though this life comes to an end, your life will continue. That is the biggest promise any believer has. The biggest. So, add that to your list of what God is here to do. Because you are here to die. I hope there's no one that is dead here and has come to join us. <laughs> because you are here to die. So, you write it. So, so, let me give you an example. So, so you, you say something like this. Number one, that uh, wig that I asked you for, you have not given me. 
Number two, the lashes, eyelashes that are asked. That one that is like, uh, <laughs> you understand? Uh, you have not given me. That bag, you have not given me. The nails, the claws, that one, you have not given me. Then number five, eternal life. I am still waiting for it. <laughs> What's the point? The point is that by the time you put all these things beside eternal life, they, they fade into insignificance. You begin to actually see that there's really nothing that God will not give you. If he can give his son up, there's actually really nothing that he cannot give. Hallelujah. So, pretty much, that is why. We should live a life of gratitude. Now, the question now is how? Okay, Pastor, I get it. This is, I get the why. I understand the why. I now know why. I want to, but how? Five things. Fundamentals of how. How can my life give thanks to God? These five things you may no one or two, or maybe all, but it's always good to articulate them and like concretize them, make them a part of, of your existence. And the first is this. By singing from my heart. Not just by singing. By singing where? From where? From my heart. From my heart. So, the question is, does tone matter when you talk? Yes, it does. In fact, they say that communication is 60% tone, 20% body language, and 20% words. So when you communicate, 60% they say is tone, 20% is body language, and only 20% they say are the words. In fact, there was another study that says that the verbal component of communication is only 7%. Only 7 And 97 is the non-verbal component, which is tone and body language. That's why, you know, I, I said before that my grandmother used to say that sorry has a male version and a female version. There's a male sorry and there's a female sorry. Someone can say sorry, and you feel that the person is compassionate. Another person can say sorry, and you feel, all you feel is sarcasm. Why? Because of tone? Because of body language? I mean, I don't know. If you ask those that are married, they will tell you. Your spouse can say, sorry, oh. <laughs> and your spouse can actually say sorry. So there is different between sorry and sorry. Now, if, you, if there's a third party involved, the spouse can say, but I've said sorry to you like 10 times, right? So technically, I've just said sorry. But have they really said sorry? They haven't. Why? The, the tone, the body language, say something else entirely. Totally different from what the word says. The same thing with God. Singing to God from my heart. The tone and the body language flows from the heart. The tone and the body language flows from the heart. So it's not just mounting songs to God. So you cannot be in church. It's time to praise God. We are singing, you know, to God. Accept our praise. You've done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. And... And you are chewing gum. And you're like, yeah, but I'm singing. Yes, you're singing, but you're not singing from your heart. We cannot be saying, God, you're the greatest. You're the mightiest. And, you know, you're the greatest. 
You're in the mighty. What does that communicate? You're saying, but, but, but I'm singing. But what does that say? That doesn't say anything about a God that is great. Praise the name of the Lord. It doesn't. It doesn't at all. Psalm 147 says we should sing out your thanksgiving to God. Sing how? Out. Forget your self-consciousness. No one is watching you. Sing out. Sing out. Sing out. You are not a God created. Come on. By you. Sing out. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can be by your plans. That's just the way it is. You are the only God. You are the only God with power. None can contend. You are the only God who's praising. You are the only God who's worthy of everything we can give. You are God. That's just the way it is. You are God alone from before time Okay, okay, okay. The, 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 I mean, the, the difference of singing to God from your heart is enormous. It's, it's different from just singing. When you sing to God from your heart, if you actually did, did you feel the difference? It's huge. God responds to you. God responds to your heart, to your tone, to your body language, to your passion. So how can I give God thanks by singing from my heart? Number one. Number two, not just what I sing, but what I say by thanking God in prayer. By thanking God in prayer. And by prayer, I don't mean a repetition that is meaningless to you. I mean, sometimes the things we call prayer is actually not prayer at all. That's actually not prayer at all. So if it doesn't, it's not authentic. It doesn't come from you. Oh, thou magnificent creator of the universe. You know, the, the truth is that what is magnificent? What does that mean to you? Okay, you know, you know what, you can tell a dictionary. But most people don't know what magnificent is. What's magnificent? Should we, should we try? You'll be surprised. Hey, something big. Something big. That's not what magnificent is. So how should I pray? Just talk to God. Just talk to God. How do you talk to your friend? How do you talk to your spouse? How do you talk to your to people? How do you talk to people? So how come when it's time to talk to God, your everything changes? You are talking about it's time to pray. Then you want to get spiritual. What's spiritual? What is spiritual? You are as spiritual as you are normally. That's how spiritual you are. 
Because in the final analysis, it is how you engage normally that determines the quality of your life. So, how should I pray? Just talk to God. Just talk to God. You are driving. Just talk. Just talk. Try it. At least, if you are alone in the car, nobody, nobody can say you are crazy. Just try it. You are driving. Just think about your life. Say to God, man, God, <laughs> I don't know why you gave me such a beautiful wife. I just don't get it. And just talk. God, I, you know, I, I really don't deserve this, this man, such a great man. Out of all the women, women in the world, I have him as my husband. What an honor. God, I, I can provide for myself. I can pay for my bills, pay my bills. I'm grateful. I, I just want to say thank you. No drama. No, I just want to. Psalm 105 verse 1. Psalm 105 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord and pray. Speak. Speak to him. So, number one, how can my life give thanks to the Lord? Number one, by singing from my heart. Number two, by thanking God in prayer. And number three is what comes from within must impact the people around you. By telling others the good news. By telling others the good news. By telling others about Jesus. By telling others, see what God has done for me. Isaiah 12, Isaiah 12 verse 4 says, Thank the Lord and praise his name. Tell the world about this wonderful love. Thank him, praise his name, then tell the world about this wonderful love. I shared a story about when I was in um, university. I had a classmate of mine that's a very good guy, needs always talking in, you know, you know, and, you know. <laughs> but in retrospect, I noticed that whenever we are abusing lecturers, he won't say anything. Whenever we are talking bad, bad things, he won't say anything. The ones that are funny, we just smile. He won't comment. So, one day, someone invited me for one program <laughs> at the chapel in Unilagan. I was there and I sat at the back, you know. When I go to those kind of programs, you know, we sit at the back, you know. So when I come to church and I see you that like to sit at the back, I say, hmm, those are my people. You know? <laughs> so it's still at the back, it's one corner, I look at everybody, you know. And so the, the, the pastor, the person preaching, you know, finished what he was talking about, gave an altar call. I mean, the place was filled with people that gave their life to Jesus. I didn't get up. I sat there, unmoved. And he wanted to leave the stage, and he stopped. And he says he needs to sing a song. Took the mic again and sang, Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. For the Lord needs somebody. Here I am, send me. And I started weeping. Uncontrollably. I couldn't get up. Everybody left. I can even see the scene. I was there till past midnight. I was weeping. I was crying. I, I don't know what to pray. By the time I got up from there, I was, I was changed miraculously. That was how I gave my life to Jesus. That's how I got it. Totally. Totally. And I was changed. I knew exactly. I, I knew my calling. I knew it was like salvation, consecration, uh, calling everything on one day. Unbelievable. Then I decided to join a fellowship because if you are a child of God, you have to find other children of God, right? So I joined the fellowship and I found powerful stuff, you know. I was fired up 
And on my way out, guess who I saw? My friend, wearing tie. Who wears tie in university? Wearing tie, you know. <laughs> and he was like, oh, Mulay, that's, are you now saved? I was happy to have me here. I was angry. You know, I, was, I looked at him, I said, his name, I won't, I won't mention. I said, you, you mean you are saved? I said since year one that honestly, I wanted to punch him in the face. That was how I felt. I didn't punch him. I said something nasty to him. I said, get out of my face. And I left. Don't look at me like that. I was saved, but I was not changed yet. I was <laughs> my character has not formed. I said, get out of my face. I, I left. I was angry. Why was I angry? How can you know this? And you come to class with me. And you know I'm going to... And uh, you... I, you are not even said, oh, follow me to fellowship one day. You are not even said, let's talk about this. Not once. You can't be my friend. And of course... The next thing I did, I got to class. I shut down the whole class. I was telling everybody about Jesus. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. You, you tell others if something is good for... If you've, I mean, except you're a wicked person. If you, we have people that will not invite their colleagues to church because they, they say, ah, if I invite my colleagues to church, ah, that means they will be coming for God's really service. Ah, that is my own... Uh, Competitive advantage. That's what I used to in, in, in taking care of them in the office. <laughs> Listen, I know people like that. I have to set them straight. God will forgive you. Because the story of the four lepers, you know how it went. They went to the camp. They saw all the well. They packed and packed and packed. They said, if we keep quiet, this thing is not good. Though. We have to tell... We have to tell others. It's questionable for you to know God. And you can't tell people. It's questionable. So, by singing from my heart, by, by, number four, by giving an offering back to God. Thanks and giving go together. That's why they call it thanksgiving. It goes together. Psalm 50 verse 14. Psalm 50 verse 14 says, Give an offering to show your thanks to God. Give him what you promised. Give him what you promised. I have made a vow. But give an offering to show your thanks to God. From your heart to show your thanks to God. Deuteronomy 16.10 says to us, Celebrate the harvest festival to honor the Lord your God by bringing a free will offering. And here's the key. In proportion to the blessing he has given you. So January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, we are in September. It's time for Thanksgiving. You want to give to God. How should you give to God? The Bible says in proportion to how he has blessed you. So I should give to God in a way that God will look at what I'm giving and says, grateful boy. If you give to God, should God look at what you're giving and say, who is he deceiving? And that's what the Bible says here. And God says that it has to be in proportion to how he has blessed you. 2 Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians 9, 11 says, yes, you will be enriched so that you can give even more generously. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will break out in thanksgiving to God. So two things will happen. The needs of others will be met by your offering and then they will express their thanksgiving to God. On earth, there are only two things that will last forever on earth. 
Only two things. The word of God and the souls of men. Every other thing will perish. And those two things, God has designed it in a way that your giving impacts those two things. When you give, the word of God prospers, the souls of men are impacted. There's nothing else that will last. If I buy a shirt, what will happen? If you know, I heard about someone that insisted that they bury him in his Mercedes Benz. They should bury him in his Mercedes Benz. Some people insist that they should put all the gold around them when they bury them. You know what will happen now? After the burial, what will happen? <laughs> they will exhume the body. <laughs> you know, listen. You brought nothing into this world. And it is certain that you can take nothing out. The only thing you can take out is the things that you have used to impact those two things. The word of God and the souls of men. Those are the only things you can take out. Those are the only eternal things. So, how can my life give thanks to God? Number one, by singing from my heart. Number two, by giving thanks to God in, in prayer. Number three, by telling others the good news. You know, I remember... You know, can I tell you was just one story? You know, just you know, we, we had finished, we had we had finished, we had graduated, and you know, and there was everybody, there was this party that was supposed to happen, you know, by by uh, colleagues, you know, it was at um, uh, okay. Somewhere you like. Anyway, everybody was gathered, you know, <laughs> plus babes, plus guys, you know. So after the presentation of our award, the music had started. Everybody had, you know, started to get into the groove. I just took the mic and preached Jesus. When I finished, I dropped the mic. I stood. The place disbanded. Everybody was going, oh my God, looking at me. <laughs> I was very troublesome. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm gentle now, aren't I? Much more gentle. I'm not sure if that was effective, but that was what I need to do. So, <laughs> so telling others about Jesus. And number four, giving an offering back to God. Number five, by serving him with the abilities he has given me. By serving him with the abilities he has given me. Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12, 28 says, Let us please God. How do you please God? By serving him with thankful hearts. That's how we please God. That's how we please God. Do you have any time in your week? That you serve God by serving people in the name of Jesus. Do you? Do you have any time in your week that you serve God by serving people in the name of Jesus? If you don't, you need to. A very good place to have to do that is in church. There are other places, of course, definitely. But a very good place to do that is in church. Start serving. Start serving. I say thank you to God. By serving him with the abilities he has given me. So we should not just say thanks. We should not just say we are grateful. We should show it to God by serving him. We should show God we are grateful by serving him with a heart of gratitude. That's how we show God we are grateful. By serving Him. So, the five hows. How do I show that I'm grateful? Number one, come on. Sing from my heart. Number two, thanking God in prayer. Number three, telling others about the good news. Number four, 
Giving an offering back to God. Number five. Serving him with the abilities he has given me. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads today. You know, Jesus said that I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, they will live again. Have you put your trust in Christ? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? That is where to start from. You're like, Pastor, I want to put my trust in Christ. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you, my sister, my brother. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. I pray with you wherever you are seated. That is me. Oh, I used to be with Jesus. I used to be born again. But can, can I come back to him? Can I come back to him? Yes, you can. That is me. Pray with me. If you are there, wherever you are seated, put up your hand. Now, over your head. God bless you. I will pray together. Shoot it up. Over your head. Over your head. Not your head. God bless you. Put the hand up over your head. I will pray together. That is me, Pastor. God bless you. God bless you there. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Another hand there. God bless you. That is me. God bless you, sir. Another hand there. God bless you. Another hand there. God bless you, my sister. Keep God bless you. Another hand right there. God bless you. Over your head. God bless you, my brother. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Right there. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my sister. Keep the hands up. They're going to slip a card in your hand. Once you have the card, you can put down that hand and begin. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. Keep the, keep the hands up. Once you have the card, you can put on the hand. The rest of us, let's just talk to God and tell him how great he is. Just say to him how awesome, how awesome he is. How awesome our God is. Oh, Father, we honor you. Oh, Father, we thank you. What a mighty God you are. We pray for everyone that is surrendered to you today. We ask that you cleanse them, that you breathe upon them, that you empower them to be all that you have called them to be. My Father, make yourself known and let your name be glorified. Every one of us, Lord, let our lives consistently give you thanks, which honors you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord for his kindness, his mercy, and his word. Amen.